it comes in the genre. Like SIU said it best, where he doesn't want people to die, but that is their direct result of the story that he's writing, is that people have to die, and from those deaths, there needs to be growth, and you're in a war dog. Like, if nobody dies at the end of a war as significant as it's led up to be, like, it's it's kind of just, it, it plays down a little bit to the story, and I mean, that's not... AOA, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kim Way. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with the boys, Isaiah. Oh, hi, yo. And Gavin. Oh, what is the Gucciest of the shoesiest? Tis the question is the question today we're talking about tower of god of course going over season three episodes don't tell me 49 to 58 mm-hmm. booyah <laughs> we only got 10 left after this so you definitely don't want to miss our <laughs> live streams and you don't want to miss this live read through because it was a lot of fun these are some intense chapters for sure and i can see why siu's wrist is literally on fire every single time he's done working for the week but the way to catch that is by going to our description. The link to the AOA Reacts channel is there, our reaction channel, where you can catch that with all our other live reactions. Um, we also have our comment of the day today. Today comes from Nomad Vaughn, um, who is an actual homie because Nomad is probably up for, what, 95 to 100% of these, like, every video we do. It's like he's, he's watching it from start to finish. It was really awesome to know. So thank you very much. Uh, our question was, who's your favorite redhead in the series? Because I know last week I was very happy that they were giving a lot of the redheads their due. Um, and so he answered, Warion, OG, best redhead. Totally agree. Uh, he says, one of the best discussions, great questions. For sure, I actually really enjoyed our last discussion. There are a couple key standout ones that I remember we've been doing this now for shit, man, like a year (laughs) at least, right? Going through this story beat by beat. And we've had a couple discussions where I walked away from that and I'm like, wow, that was a really good conversation. Mm. And that hasn't been everyone. Obviously not everyone could be a banger, but last week's was definitely one of them. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm glad that you did too. And thank you for commenting your thoughts. Make sure you guys stay until the end where we will be offering our question to you. And if you answer it, you might just get your comment shouted out in our next discussion video, which is actually only one left before we have to switch things up. So now is your chance. Definitely want to watch till the end of this one. We have eight questions today being that the, that's how many were posed. So we're like, why not just knock out eight of them in this? So thank Thank you to the eight people that posed their questions here. Um, some of them are kind of split between two people because they asked a very similar question, it seems. There's multiple names. So we might shout out multiple names under the umbrella of one question. So thank you very much for that. But getting into the first question here, without further ado, Gavin, take it away, my friend. Oh, let's get started. So number one, by death to boredom. Thank you so much for the question. Jersey gang. Jersey gang. How filthy are the low po beta considering all that we've heard and seen from them so far in comparison is what we've seen of the other families. And are you sick of seeing them? <laughs> well, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, interesting question. Um, what was, uh, so I guess just like broad Lopo, the Lopo be family. I mean, I'm not sick of seeing them. I think that they tend to have some of the coolest. Um, they bring like the coolest cards to the table 
pretty much because they're animas and you know they can have that like like for example what we just read with the bird like that was badass and I always think back of like rice ball like of like funny and amazing like I just I feel like a lot of the character even though um the younger girl way back from season one uh, with the with the, with the fishies in the bowl you know it's like I I don't know for me it's just when I find another person from that family they tend to just they're interesting and they do some cool stuff and although it may not be like highlighted as you know the craziest thing you know we see bam and others so it's like some of the power scaling might be off i mean in hindsight i'm not saying that it is but you know it might for me it just seems flashy and it's cool so it doesn't like every time i see him i'm not like oh another pobido like you know or not pobido i'm not not another low pobia <laughs> like it's that's just not on the forefront of my mm-hmm. mind i'm like sweet let me see more like i want to see what else they bring to the table so yeah no i'm about it keep it up um yeah, I'm not sick of it, though. I don't know if you guys are. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell Death to Boredom if you are the one that's sick of seeing the Lophobia <laughs> family, by the way you framed that question. No, all jokes aside, though, I think they're sweet. Uh, I don't know if you're framing this in, in the light of beyond just their general aesthetic and all that kind of stuff, the fact that they keep on going against seemingly our protagonist because it does seem like the Lophobia family yeah. seems to be a blockade in the way because they are pretty loyal to Jihad, all things considered, at least from the info that we got. So if that's the way that the question is being framed uh, i'm not really sick of them because i figured that there were going to be uh, to be honest i thought there were going to be way more families that were jumping to jihad's aid once this all started it seems that they're maybe a little more fragmented than i initially thought across the 10 of them or whatever um but it seemed you know there had to be at least one that was like die hard like you know we came up with jihad that's our boy and that's what we're rolling with this whole time it seems like lopobia is that uh just in terms of their aesthetic though and all that I love this this family, like their abilities. I think it's, actually, I think it's my favorite one in terms of abilities-wise, because um, each one has their standout attributes. You get your Haas with their overwhelming yeah. nuclear punches, which is really cool for sure. Um, but, you know, they're, they're stretching the imagination with that can only go so far because you just punch things harder, right? You got Coons with just their gorgeous looks, and they have the ice and the lightning, which is really sweet. You see that kind of stuff, etc. I could go on. We got the fire. But the Lopobia family, in my opinion, has the most room for creativity in it, being that they have not only just your typical animals that you would see on the Discovery Channel, but they have their own tower-specific creatures, like the, these big serpent-style things mm-hmm. and like the like whatever. It's like a whole different ecosystem. For yeah. a story that does so well with its world-building, I feel like the animals and the creatures that inhabit it is just another part of building that really spectacular world. So I think the Lopobia family has the advantage aesthetically of being able to bring out the best of the world in their fights, if that, if that makes sense. If that, mm-hmm that uh, all comes together. I wonder if it's, I wonder if this is like more in frame because of just the amount of people that we see now, like Yasiracha no, and, like, and like the monkey pooping, like throwing <laughs> person. Like, I, I'm not gonna remember the name, sorry. Yeah. But it's like, I wonder if it's because now it seems like we're always coming across someone. Sure. And I mean, it's obvious when they're from the Lopobia family because there's always some weird, crazy, like whimsical animal coming after it. So I wonder if that is almost like taking them out of the story in a sense. I'm kind of just, you know, going off. Maybe, the I don't know. I just love the idea of having this, animal to yeah. control or to be able to communicate with or whatever the case might be. Like I liked how this guy, I can't remember his name that summons the hawk or the bird or whatever gets to swap his consciousness mm-hmm. into it at the last second and stuff like that. Like I think there's so many different ways that you could go creatively speaking beyond the world building and the animals, like I said, but just the way that they utilize the abilities with them and the fact that they get to fight for them. I think it's a really cool thing. Like the giant serpent that we saw too mm-hmm. was really sweet. I, I just, I like that. 
that. I think it's a very cool power system that they have in their family. So I, I like seeing them right now. I'm not sick of them yet. I'm sure at some point if they spam them too much, we will be. But that's where I am at the moment. What about you? Uh, Yeah, they're pretty cool. I obviously mean, don't like them as people because they're like, you know, <laughs> the jihad loyalist or extremist. Um, so that's not cool. But, I yeah, conceptually, they're really dope. Like, I, you guys both pretty much went into it, so I'm not going to go too hard. But, yeah, they're cool. Fair enough. Nice. All right. Question two comes from Fluffy Mannequin 33 Fluffy asks, what did you think of Bomb's monologue at the end of episode 55? Sheesh. I don't know which uh, monologue that was. At the end, he says, just, <laughs> well, he says at the end. I didn't know the whole monologue. At the end, he says, just pray the people you wanted to protect are still by your side. What else do you think Bomb will have to go through or sacrifice to make this come true? And do you think there could be any significant character deaths by the end of this war? Oh, I think this is where he's on the ship and he stares at the mm-hmm. guy, right? Okay, mm-hmm. coming in. Okay, that kind of puts it into perspective here. Um, yeah, Bomb has a Bomb has a a higher purpose, I guess, now or a goal that he's trying to achieve, which makes him, in my opinion, um, that much more interesting. I think I had similar thoughts on Caliban was a topic of discussion last week. And one of the reasons I liked him is because this dude was a man with a plan. You didn't have to agree with his plan or his goal and what he was trying to achieve, but it definitely put things in perspective and the choices that he made were in service of that goal. He has a code, right? And maybe it might not be quite as deep because Bomb is trying to save his master and he's trying to destroy the hot jihad. Um, but I think it's along a similar wavelength. I like that he has this mark, this bullseye that he's trying to hit now. So it definitely makes things a little more exciting now. It's not just like, oh, I just really like my friends and I'm going to climb the tower and save them, right? Like the whole Rachel thing has been kind of shelved now for the for the time being. So like that was a big thing in his side where it's like, I need these answers. I need to do that. And now that that's gone, it's like, how are we going to move on to this next objective with bombs? So I like that he's there. With that being said, now that he has a highest objective, uh, that means that saving everyone in the interim isn't necessarily the highest objective anymore, right? Because you have to have something at the pinnacle at your hierarchy now in terms of your values. So what do you value the most? Saving Jin Sung, destroying Jihad, saving your friends, even if that means you can't save Jin Sung, etc. So I think it pits a lot of things together and it puts the story in a much more realistic light in that sense that he can't save everyone, um, which has been ironically preached to him a lot of times uh, beforehand. And maybe beforehand it was because saving my friends and making sure they're okay was his his pinnacle, his at top of his hierarchy. So it was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to save them because that's the thing that matters most. That's not necessarily the case anymore. I could be wrong on that. We'll see how the story plays out, right? But at least through Bomb's monologue here, it seems to be that he has, you know, steeled himself and his resolve and understands that people in general will die and that he can't save absolutely everyone. And he's going to have to look at death straight in the face and smile back and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to do this. Um, do I think that there could be any sacrifices or significant character deaths by the end of the war? Um, I think that there should be for good, for narrative purposes and to make the story that much more compelling. Uh, personally, I think there has to be sacrifice with this, right? The fact that you've chosen to go down this path, the fact that you've made this your top priority does not mean that the universe is just going to reward you in that sense and say, um, okay, everything's going to go swimmingly now. Like we're all good here. Um, 
it's going for those goals in spite of the fact that there's going to be hardship and struggle along the way. Uh, so I think it would be a little out of place for there to be no sacrifice involved for sure. Um, in terms of what that sacrifice is, I don't know. We're going to have to see how that pans out. Do I think there could be a significant character death? I mean, that would be a sacrifice, right? So that could be definitely one of the routes they go. Um, I kind of hope there is. Uh, and I don't say that as just like doom and gloom. I need somebody to die just for the sake of it. Um, but this is a war we're talking about now. And it seems like, especially by the end of this now, this is like some Star Wars level galactic shit that we got going on where people are firing laser beams at each other. There's giant explosions in the air. There's debris flying around. There's spaceships. Like, it's getting pretty wild, right? And it's like, now everything's coming to the, we got the branch heads and stuff like that coming down. And it's like, there's only so much further we could go until we get to the little literal pinnacle of power within the, within the tower. And because we know that power scaling works in, in an exponential way, uh, you know, eventually if you're like one or whatever, you could probably wipe out the top 100, you know, or top 1000, et cetera. Like you get my point. I think that it would be a little crazy for there not to be some sort of significant death or deaths by the by the end of this war i don't know if it's going to happen within the time that we take to catch up to this but going forward i would assume that there's something i kind of hope that there is to kind of highlight what this war means that bomb says hey i was the one who said we're going to come and attack these people i got the people to come behind me i went with coon and how we're plan etc uh so i hope there is but those are my thoughts uh, yeah, I definitely think that the, it's cool that this monologue happens when it happens, which is like right before the, the real fighting starts, quote unquote, uh, because it definitely highlights this, this place now that Bam is in where, you know, right before it, he sort of like sees the whole like sea of dead bodies, um, you know, that were a result of some of the fighting that had already started. But instead of being like, oh, this wasn't my fault, like I'm not instead of like trying to sugarcoat or downplay it, he's like, no, this is important to see and like understand and comprehend because this is the reality of war. This is the reality of the situation we're in. I started this fight. Um, like I know, you know, I knew that going to rescue Jin Sung means that like people are going to die. Um, I think this line of like, just pray that the people you want to protect are still by your side indicates that like a lot of them, or, you know, a few of them, most of them, are probably going to have to make some pretty hard choices in this fight, because it's not, you know, like you said, this isn't going to be like, because they chose to oppose Jihad, they get everything that works out for them. Um, so I wonder if, you know, we've already seen it, we've already seen it a little bit with Bam, just in this, just in him stealing himself to, I guess, sort of pull the trigger and start this fight, and even in people like Kuhn, who are willing to, you know, work with somebody and, and benefit someone like White, just to have, like, that you know, that many more allies on their side in this fight that like, we're going to have to, uh, you know, we're going to have to like walk in the gray area, right. Between black and white. This isn't going to be like, we get to make all the right choices and then we get all the rewards and everything is all fine and dandy. Um, so I, you know, it, in my mind, this is more of like, just pray that when all is said and done, when the last bullet's been fired, everybody that you set out to protect here is still standing next to you and is still willing to be, you know, by your side by the end of this, um, you know, which is, Definitely, you know, which I think is definitely the the objective because I think it's naive. It would be naive to assume, A, that all of them will and that the original objective you set out to do uh, might, like, will, will definitely happen, right? There's It could happen for sure. But I think, like, at the end of the day, it's like, all right, let's just hope that when the dust clears, everybody that I stood next to is still standing next to me. Mm. What do you think? Awesome. Yeah, no, great quote. I mean, for me, you know, pretty much just what you guys were saying. I like how... With him saying this, for me, 
makes it clear that he understands he's not able to save everyone because he's pretty much saying, pray for the people you want to protect are still by your side. He's not saying, I'm going to make sure that these people are by my side, which has been his, you know, shtick the entirety of the series where it's, I am going to protect you. You know, I'm going to be out there doing my best, like, you know, up until we lost Dang Dang. And then that's the realization where he came out and said, okay, I can't protect everybody. I'm going to do my best. Don't get me wrong, but I can only beat myself so, so much for it, but to like to where it starts to really affect him mentally. And now with this, he is realizing like, Hey, I may not be, I'm not going to be able to protect everybody that's very ignorant for me to think so at the very least i just pray and hope that at the end of this i have as many people by my side that i wanted to protect because i know i can't be the one to physically do it every single time it's just it's not it's not reality um so for me it's very um it's it's a breath of fresh air when he says something like that especially one of my one of my favorite scenes was when he was in the uh, warship and flying past those dead bodies like Isaiah was saying and him not hiding away from it because that is just that is all growth on his end and you know you love to see it and you need to see it especially with um, the change he's trying to bring to the tower it's going to come in a great loss and he needs to start really you know strapping up his bootstraps and getting ready for that because he's going to be the cause of it. And now he's starting to understand it. Um, with that said, going into um, casualties and significant deaths of the war with everything that I just said, in my eyes, there has to be because it's just something that will solidify his mindset that he isn't going to continue growing until what he is saying is getting tested. And although it looks like, Hey, I now, now that he is saying I can't be there to protect people, it's easier said than living that line. So people need to die that he wanted to protect for him to be reinforced in that state if it's true that, okay, now I can keep on moving forward after my prayers haven't been answered in his quote and people who he wanted to protect die, if that makes sense. So um, it's literally like the duality of the situation that we're in, and I want that to test his psyche because at the end of the day, if it's not tested now, it has to be in the future because it's it comes in the genre. Like SIU said it best where he doesn't want people to die but that is their direct result of the story that he's writing is that people have to die. And from those deaths, there needs to be growth. And you're in a war dog. Like if nobody dies at the end of a war as significant as it's led up to be, like it's, it's kind of just, it, it plays down a little bit to the story. And I mean, that's not to say like you, everybody can say what they want about death and not wanting their favorite characters dying. I don't want my favorite characters to die either, but it, it does bring a lot of growth when it's done correctly. I'm not just saying ice people left and right just to do it. Like it has to have, like means to that end and then serve a greater purpose, which I think will do in Bam's case specifically quite well and do justice. So yes. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Uh, question number three comes to us from jail. Seguiner Seguiner. Uh, sorry if I butchered that and Pastafarian. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just clicked now what their username was because I wasn't reading it as Pastafarian. And yeah. I thought that was freaking hilarious. So. It's <laughs> 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 creative. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, <laughs> anyway. I feel like you got a little bit way too happy for that one. <laughs> oh, God. It's the little things, dude. It's the little things. With Haruyun asking Bam to do something to get the Elder to join the Ness battle, her knowing Grace uh, Merchia, Luslik, was going to ask the Elders to participate in the oncoming war, and her saying that she owed him one while talking with Luslik, as well as her being able to guarantee Luslik that they'd win the Ness battle, it seems like Haruyun is notably connected to Grace Luslik. Additionally, her being shown to directly talk to Elder Sophia but not to take orders from her. Reframes Evan's hypothesis that the elders were behind her actions 
Finally, way back when Haruyun met Kuhn uh, after the hand of after the hand of Arlene during season two, chapter fifty four, she said that she was helping Fug at the moment. TLDR, what the actual heck do you think Haruyun's place is in Fug? Also, what do you think y'all what what do you what do y'all think? What of? do y'all think of her being able to rip off her sleeves with Endorsey gone? Okay, so just gonna a lot of this is is just info. Um, the TLDR here. Uh, what do I think Haruyun's actual place in Fug is? Uh, I don't know. With all this information, it is definitely so. I for a long time haven't really. I didn't. I never really even considered the possibility that Haruyun uh, doesn't have this like permanent high tier place in fog like you know just from the way she's talked and things that have happened and and the sides that she's seemingly been aligned with i've always been like oh okay how is like you know some pinnacle in fog you know maybe it's not like obviously elder status or it's not you know maybe she's not like one of the main people but that she's like one of their main informants right or that she's you know she's sort of a big deal in fog and she might be a big deal to fog but i actually don't even know now especially with like just the chapters we've gotten with her if it's even safe to say that she's like definitely permanently a part of Fug, because um, again, especially this line that uh, these guys point out, which is her telling Kuhn that like, yeah, for the moment she's working with Fug. Well, okay, that implies that she's not planning on like staying with Fug forever. Um, and so I wonder if she really is, and especially now, I think like a lot of where Haruyun is at mentally is been like reinforced by all the stuff that happened at the last station with Bam. I think we might finally be seeing, which is something I've been saying since we've met her, uh, like some how a reunion take agency in like what she wants in her decisions, and like not to say that she's abandoning her her mission or her goal here, but I kind of finally feel like she's acting a little bit more for the goals that she wants, and like that goal can still be to you know get Bam, you know, f- for Bam to to get to the top of the tower or whatever. Um, but I, at first, I guess what I'm saying is at first I thought, like, Haruyun was like, oh, I need to get Bam to become the new king of the tower, whatever, because, like, that's what Fug wants. He's their god. And, like, she still, you know, she uses, like, words like that still, but, like, it feels more like Haruyun, like, by herself wants Bam to get to the top of the tower, but, like, doesn't it has nothing to do with Fug anymore, right? Now it seems a little bit more personal. It seems a little bit more like, you know, I don't know. It just feels a little bit more like she's got her own agenda um, and that maybe she's been allying with Fug because she needs to either have contact with or get something from some of the higher-ups, like these elders, Lucilek, et cetera, Sophia, um, which would explain, you know, that coupled with just how useful she's been and how useful her abilities are would tell me that, like, that's sort of why Fug has ke- not kept her around, but, like, that that's why that they've aligned themselves with her for so long, and that's why she has this sort of contact. Like, she can just call up Sophia, like, on her pocket, Um but, yeah. Hmm. What do you think? So, it's going to be weird. I actually think almost the complete opposite. Um, and so, my reasoning behind this is I actually think she's a lot higher in Fug. I thought you were going to say hotter. Right? Oh, hot, yeah. hotter <laughs> no, I think, I, think she's, I think she's a lot higher in the chain of command in Fug than any of us realize. And with that, I feel like it comes... So, what she had sent to Kuhn in terms of helping Fug at the moment, she is been someone who doesn't display all of her cards especially with someone like Kuhn and even even if she didn't know anything of him I feel like there's no reason why she would have to say something as in like everything we like it, it when when they first met Kuhn 
they weren't about fug. They hated it. So it's like, you know, I, I feel like she would say something where it's like, oh, I'm helping fug at the moment. But why would she say like, oh, I'm like grossly invested in fug and I'm so high up. But I feel like it comes with the relationship of now we find out she's talking to elders of fug like Sophia and isn't following their orders per se. And is also talking to loose like loose like who is very like. What is he, the president of Fug or whatever? Like, he's super high up there. I don't even know. But but it has been alluded to that Loose Lake is super high up there. And the fact that she's able to have conversations with him, like, for me, that just rings, like, bells sure and true. And that, you know, if she was that loosely nested with them, they wouldn't have that line of communication unless there was some respect that is built of them or knowledge or a relationship prior to a lot of this happening. So, for me, it more aligns in... She is very high up the food chain, and um, she has been running errands pretty much since day one. We're aligning. We're trying to get the ball rolling since day one. And I feel like my kind of the way my head forms around it, it kind of makes sense with the way her personality is being portrayed now compared to when we first met her. Because when we first meet Howard Eun, she was she was like a cold-hearted, like, B-word. And, you know, just doing, like, what she needs to do, what she thinks that needs to be done. And, you know, it's it's for Fug, it's for Bam being the god, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's really trying to get the ball rolling, and she doesn't care. It's, you know, to take no prisoners, kill any friends, we're going. And then now we see as the plan, as all of this time has passed, and they're getting further along her initial goal, which is, you know, taking out Jihad and getting all these things fulfilled, they are getting completed. They are getting done. Everything that she wanted, that she was stressing out so much about, which I think was coming from the higher-ups of Fug, pretty much saying, like, if I'm Hawar Ayun, if I can't get this going now, then Luslek and all these other people, then they're really not going to be helping us, and they're not going to throw any eggs in Bam's basket. So, like, I need to force this to happen, because if not, we're screwed, and nobody from Fug is going to back them. Now, fast forward, we're where we're at now the elders are starting to look at Bam and accept him and realize, and for her, after going through all of these years dealing with that stress, having to worry about every move, every interaction that these people are coming into, now that it's coming to fruition and she sees Bam living up to the expectation that she wants, it's almost like a weight off of her shoulders because now we see her and she almost seems happier. She's not as stressed. She's not as, like, torn off. And you can say, yes, that's because Bam changed her expectations a little bit while ago with, you know, the whole future blending, like, not being able able to see into his future and now she like understands that for me i feel like it's less pressure alleviated off her shoulders now she's seeing what bam has become elders are starting to you know sniff in his direction and back him and it's everything's falling into you know what her plan initially was and it's going good it's going well so that you know is allowing her to kind of reach into her real personality which isn't stress-ridden and that's how I view it. I could be completely wrong, but I do think that she's higher up, had a lot of stress, now is overcoming these things. A lot of the pressure is being lifted off. Obviously, there's still a plan that needs to get done, but, um, you know, everything's kind of working out for her. So it's 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 relief. Um, that is my thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Um, her with her sleeves off was a sight to behold. Um, <laughs> of course. And right. I'm very happy about it. And listen, everybody can have Endorsey for as much as they want. And I got no qualms with Endorsey. She's beautiful and all that. Um, but, like, honestly, dude, I'm happy to see Wariun in, in a room wearing, rocking a sleeveless, matching the drip with Bomb. I thought that was awesome how they paired up. Those pants that she had, too. It's true. It was like, yeah. I was, I was just, I was all about it, man. I was, I was so about it. And uh, we need more of that. And 
He's like, I'm done. That's I'm <laughs> going to be upset because I know that's probably not going to happen. Um, but, you know, I'll enjoy what I had. Kick rocks and Dorsey. When I had it. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, addressing the more pertinent question here, or is it? Um, what is their actual place in FUG? Whew, I don't know for certain, but I guess if I was just throwing an idea out there, I think um, I think uh, Huarion has a a personal relationship with Luslek. Uh beyond it's not just like business, right? It's like it's not that she's just okay, she's very high ranked, although she definitely has pull. Um or she's like X rank or like this is what she's doing. I think excuse me, that there is a more personalized thing going on between them. Really my only evidence to back that up is the conversation that we had that she has a direct line to Luslek. Um, which seems like not everyone just gets Luslex's phone number to call them, mm-hmm. call call him or her when shit's going down, or to ask for a favor seems like kind of a big thing, right? Um, and the fact that she says "I owe you one" uh, is definitely something indicative of what a friend would say to someone or someone in like a more of a casual acquaintance. Acquaintance, if you're like you know subordinate number ten, like which number ten you're assigned here, and it's like you somehow know Luslex and you're like kind of ranking command thing. You know, I would assume it would be a little bit more professional in that sense. And, you know, it's like if you're calling a friend over the phone, it's like, yo, can you help me move? You know, it'll be worth your while, whatever. Like, I owe you one. Um, just that language to me makes it seem like Rion has this this history with them. And that makes her very old, like super old. And I know everyone's old in this damn tower because mm-hmm. time is just all over the place. But like really old, like yeah. OG. And uh which is interesting, which means that we always knew it, but that she knows like a lot, a lot. But I think <laughs> I didn't, I think she knows, I think she knows even more than I initially thought that she may have known. Um, that being said, I don't, I don't know if necessary. I don't know if she like ranks high per se or ranks at all. Like, I think there's this weird in between, like I said, to support my theory that I think there's this, there's an actual personal relationship there. I don't think it's like, Warun, like you're gonna get pulled into the ranks and like this is your thing here. I think that this might be something where Luce like literally told Warun, like, you're the one I could trust to go to be bomb's guide. Cause I know that you're in on whatever's going on. Like we have history here. So because the reason the other reason I say that is because she talks to um who else? The elder Sophia, but does not take orders from her. Mm. She's like, okay, I'll do what I want. And it's like Beyond Elder, I would assume the next ranking thing, the higher ranking thing, and the only higher ranking thing would be Luce Leck him or herself. You know what? So not to cut you off, no, but um, I so I'm in terms of ranking, like I don't, I think it comes with the position of being a guide, and I'm wondering if you know how a guide is always paired with the person. If maybe even Luce Leck, like she was the original guide to him, I and you so. know it's something where it's like she's not singing and praising the fug song, but you know she does have personal stakes in it. But I'm wondering if that's like the stake where she served him and does, and they're very close. And something you know earlier, way behind the scenes when Band came in, it was something where he like didn't or like he allowed her to almost like see bam at that time to like curate him into something else like i don't think it's more of like a power like oh she is the strongest one in fugger a top strong one like i think it comes naturally as the fact that she's a guide and a damn good one and that is what ties her to the higher ups up there yeah, and yeah. gives her that power but yeah i'm wondering if that's the personal relationship we're talking about is she was originally the guide for him and then you know because it's like evan it's not like you don't have to stay with yuri for the rest of your existence like you can like brand 
inch out, no, you know? So that I'm actually, yeah, that raises I, a good Definitely question. to me supports the claim that she knows a lot, a lot. Oh yeah. Not just that she's a guide and she has all of that supernatural crap going on, but that she, along with Luslek, probably knows a similar amount to Luslek even more potentially than the elders themselves in terms of what the end game is here, what's being hidden, etc., and is kind of just guiding bomb along the path that he needs to go or th- that she thinks he needs to go or whatever, but knows a lot of the backstory. Like I, I think she was there from the beginning and probably could have told bomb everything at, at maybe at, at almost any point, like what she knew. And I think she's withholding a lot of info there. That might be a stretch, but I think that she knows a lot. It just would make sense if you, if you're buddy, buddy with loose, like to kind of be in on what's going on. So I don't know if her and Luslex or Luslex plan is that they kind of not radicalize, but you know, have view these things in a very religious occult sense where bomb is a God. And this is the prophecy. I don't know if Luslex like, like really, really believes that or kind of just utilizes that to kind of um, conform all of the subordinates and make them unified under one umbrella. Or if they genuinely think it's like the prophecy mm-hmm. and a God and they, and they view it as that. And Hwarun like, you know, literally thinks bomb is a God. Right. In that sense. Um, I don't know, man. I think there's like a big, big brain scheme thing going on top of whatever the hell's going on here. Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. So question number four by W. Phil. Back in the Dallas show. Wow. That, oh, man. When Bam was fighting Joaquin, Bam says that nobody should be sacrificed for Joaquin. And now that's exactly what Kuhn did. What do you think will be Bam's reaction? Will he be okay with that? Will he forgive Kuhn? Now, this this is a very good question. And um, my honest answer is I don't know. It really depends in my eyes on what Bam's mindset is because it almost seems like, not that he's reformed in a sense, but he's grown a lot. Like he understands, you know, in war people are going to die and that there's, you know, there's responses that happen to certain actions that he puts forward and those responses are going to be death and people are going to die and bad things are going to happen. So with that said, a past BAM would not be okay with this and probably not forgive Kuhn. A BAM who kind of realizes like the casualty of war scenario, I could see possibly um, maybe not being happy about it per se, but understanding why Kuhn did these things in terms of powering up white because they need a a power force like white because let's be real we have Caliban we have a whole squadron of Jihad's army coming after us like we need like we're going to need that firepower and like the only way he's going to be feasible is through the souls of people like we already know that's just white's white's thing so I I would like to say that Bam although not happy would understand it um but i also don't think it's the best scenario and i can't help the devil on my shoulder harps back from a discussion way prior where i I, my personal opinion is that their relationship isn't going to be all like peaches and strawberries for the whole the entirety of this story i think that there is going to be an obstacle thrown in there that divides them eventually and i do also see how this can be said obstacle that 
uh, honestly just tears them apart in a sense, or at least is like the beginning steps to do so, like more for story purposes in terms of just, just not him and Kuhn just running up to the tower, you know? Like if there was a break in the relationship somewhere, this could be, you know, the start of it or a route to it uh, that will compound on itself and then cause a future divide in their relationship. Again, I don't want this to happen at all, but I do feel like um, it's almost indicative of the story to just them not being just like this idolized version of a relationship of two people. Like, I don't know. I feel like there just has to be a problem in there some way, and this can be something that causes a problem. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Bomb's reaction is going to be. I don't know how hard he's going in on this monologue, I guess is my point. That's the thing. Where he's like, that's it. I'm reformed. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. You do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my French. Like, do whatever you want. I said I'm saving Jin Sung. I don't care what the hell happens, right? If he's, like, really in that boat, then maybe he's like, Coon, you did what you had to. I'm all hard-ass now. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, I think Bomb, maybe, to kind of refer back to that monologue, was a little bit more talk, but we'll see in, in terms of that. Because my thing is, like, when the souls get taken... I'm pretty sure they almost like live on in a weird sense, but almost contained they and like trapped, exist. Yeah, which is are. like really messed up yeah. when you think about it. It's like literally it's worse in my opinion than killing someone and just leaving them there because you're now subjecting them to a literal torment and hell for eternity until you release them. Um, if they even can be like, there, there's a whole weird moral complication with that. So I actually think in a weird sense, it's actually even worse now the question is means to an end, right? Like, do we, you know, is that cool? Cause we're trying to topple the bad guy. I don't know. That's for everyone to decide individually. Um, I'm a little shaky on it because my thought process is that if you're trying to beat bad guy, cause he's done bad things, but you wind up doing equally as bad things in order to beat bad guy. Did you really beat bad guy? You know what I mean? Are you not, are you not similar in that regard? I think that's a whole can of worms. That's my personal opinion on the on the whole thing. But to be fair, they need white, and this is the route that's being chosen. I think the bigger thing here is Kuhn doing it behind Bomb's back. And what Bomb's reaction to that specifically would be that he did not tell him that he did something like that. Uh, I think that he will forgive Kuhn. Uh, I don't think that the weight of what Kuhn is doing, I don't know. I, I think that most people, if Kuhn was like, okay, I have... Rack here and Rack has to be sacrificed to white in order to do this or like some wild example right and then Bomb finds out that it's like dude I had to sacrifice Rack because like we needed white to do this thing Bomb might be like pretty freaking pissed right because he's like dude that's like one of our homies you done this when it's like kind of soldier one soldier two rando there's not as much of like a personal connection to that and I feel like that can be a lot of times how people operate like they don't it doesn't really register and they don't have the time to like feel bad for everyone there. So he might look at it in a different sense that it's like, okay, these were our enemies. Like these are things that had to happen. Um, but I don't know. Coons Coons doing some like scheming thing. And I think this also just adds to the idea that whether it be Coon or some of the people on our squad or whatever, everyone in this story or mostly everyone in this story is doing some sort of shady, morally debatable background shit that's going on. So I think that a lot of people need to, you know, really kind of take a look in the mirror sometimes when it's like we condemn X person for X thing and then X person we don't for another thing. Like that's just kind of how it is, you know, and it's okay because it's like we like who we like in that regard. So I think that He's, uh, I think that bomb's going to be fine with it. I guess it's a long-winded way of saying, but 
do you think it would be different? Because I know commenters were saying that these people were already dead and they were just collecting their souls. Although it doesn't yeah. do it any more justice because you're taking them soul, their souls hostage. Yeah, much. yeah. And Bam has lived with that power and hated it quite literally when yeah. he, when he felt the souls inside of him, like almost like in his mind, he like yeah. it drove him almost crazy. Like he was not about it. Yeah, so yeah that's my that's, that's my the thing. other thing where if he's not killing them, like give me your souls, you know, like if yeah. they're more like collecting them, is that, that put it in a different light? Or that's not? A, that's basically what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. is that. Maybe not great, but I was trying to get to that point where it's like there are, I guess sometimes there are levels where it's like, you know, you're walking down the street, right? And you see there's a little kid and he falls in a lake and he starts drowning. You're on your way to do whatever, right? Go to work or something. And it's like, what do you do? You look at that scenario and I would hope or think that a lot of people, you know, take off their shoes, run in the lake and go and save the kid, right? But then you think of somewhere in some far off country of some child that you know is you know going through some really tough time they are dying in some sense and it says okay if you donate right your money mm -hmm. to go towards this cause you could potentially do that and then then it seems to be a lot of people mm -hmm. like they think they don't even think of that they think of it differently and they're like well you know what i mean it's one thing or the other i think that in like a fractured analogy is kind of what I'm trying to say where it's yeah. like, are there levels to it where bombs like, well, they're already dead. So like, it's all good. We just kind of extracted them. Or he's like, I already had this plan. Like mm -hmm. we had to go through with it. Or is he more pissed at the principal that Kuhn just kind of did that behind his back. And he's like, bro, these are people's souls that you're messing with here. Yeah. Like, what's the deal with that? Why are you siding with white? Or if it's like that aside, not even mm -hmm. the whole soul thing being like, why are you powering white up? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we don't need it. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. What do you think? Um, I don't really think he's going to have a problem with Kuhn in regards to what he did, but just specifically that he's going behind Bam's back to do it. Um, because I think one of the foundations of their relationship has always been a mutual level of trust. And actually, the next question on here more or less is talking about the same thing. So this whole Kuhn, you know, deal with the devil stuff. Um, this idea that Kuhn if need be, would be willing to go behind Bam's back but never stab it, right? So there, again, in the talk of, like, how far is too far, I think Bam, quite frankly, is just in a place now where he understands that, like, the stance of, like, don't do wrong things to anybody because wrong things are bad is in a, is quite literally a luxury we don't have anymore. We're literally, we're in a war, and, like, people are going to die. Some messed up shit's going to happen to some really good people, and, like... To think that you can control that and to think that, like, nobody else can do any of that to anybody, I, I don't think Bam is in that mind. I don't think he's going to be upset with Kuhn off of, uh, off of like, the literal th stuff that he's doing, A, because he's not going out there and murdering these people to get the souls, um, but B, also because I just I think it's it would be a little, a little too naive of Bam to put that on Kuhn. However, I do think there will definitely be a talk about the fact that if Bam specifically stated he didn't want this to happen mm. this way, and Kuhn then went ahead and did it anyway, um, because we had this talk with the way back with the whole Rachel thing, mm -hmm. right? Where it was like, oh, now Kuhn is on a mission to kill Rachel, but Bam doesn't want Rachel to get killed, but Kuhn is going to kill her anyway. And it's like, okay, so is Kuhn going to go behind Bam's back to do that? Mm -hmm. Is that going to be a whole topic of debate or you know, or you know, point of contention for the relationship? Um, and yeah, I definitely think it'll be a point of contention. It might even cause some grief. I do ultimately think though that they'll probably you know, forgive each other or, or you know, uh, make up and, and, and resolve that. But I don't know. I think it's, it's, it is tough in these kinds of circumstances because it's like, yeah, I'm sure one of the last people that Bam wants to get stronger is white. Um, but it's like, 
we don't we don't get to get to the place where we can like talk about and or handle white if we don't make it out of this place alive. Like mm-hmm. this fight is sort of the devil that's right in front of us and white is like a devil that is, you know, I don't necessarily know how far off he is in terms of like being the main threat or like, you know, pivotal he's now going attacking Bam. But all we do know is that right now he's not the devil in front of us. He's not mm-hmm. the the immediate objective. And again, you know, the way Kuhn was talking this is like the way that he's learned to fight because it's the way that people fight in this tower through coercion, manipulation, tactics, understanding how to and when to employ things for people, build alliances, burn bridges. That's that's just that's what he knows. And again, on the surface, in terms of war tactics, like this is not a bad idea. White is a strong person, and if you can find a way to ally yourself with him to get through this war, you know, yes, there's a lot of moral implications of like how to get white stronger, but it's like if we don't make it through this fight everybody's dying and then that's it you know so i it's i i I guess what i'm getting at is i feel like it's tough to condemn coon in the facet of like oh you shouldn't do this because it's wrong and it's like i feel like we're a little far past it's simply wrong or right again i do think there's contention and conversation to be brought up around the going behind bam's back thing but in terms of like you know you shouldn't do this because it's not right it's like i kind of feel like we're just too far past the you know right or wrong being the only way that you can make a decision. Hmm. Yeah. I, I also see a route of introspection on Bam's end in terms of not necessarily taking it out on Kuhn, but pretty much saying, you know, I, I am the start of what's going on. And the fact that my actions led Kuhn to do this for us to win this fight, he almost shoulders the blame on himself and doesn't put it on Kuhn oh, because he is also the type of character to do that. And especially with how he's talking all philosophically and in the manner that he has, in terms of keeping his eyes open in that, again, with those dead bodies floating by him, and, like, I can't hide from this anymore. Like, I'm responsible for this, and I need to accept that. I mean, I feel like this would also fall under that category in terms of it wouldn't have happened if, you know, this war wouldn't have started. So, you know, it's my fault, in a sense, and not necessarily Coons. Um, Again, that's just more of a side thought, but, you know, it's a possibility. Bam is kind of a wild card when it comes to, you know, growth and really what he's thinking at a certain moment. So, yeah. Yeah, I um just to go in a little f- more because we c- we kind of combined two questions, which only makes sense in this question five. You know, was sad sparkle. So shout out there. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a uh, I I look at the um like I'm struggling a little with the or just kind of thinking more about it. I read this comment somewhere and it says Kuhn may go behind bombs back, but he'll never stab it. Only help. And I can't help but think sometimes that a lot of that can be maybe conjured up in like a subjective sense. So it's like, I guess, what is it you can, what is it somebody considers stabbing it, right? Like saying, doing something to actively harm bomb, et cetera. Is it, is there a world where stabbing bomb in the back is betraying bombs trust, right? In the sense that it's like, oh, well, I was only trying to help. And bomb is like, well, I never asked you to help, right? And now you've done something that's hurt you know, you've hurt people or you've done something, some irreparable damage and, you know, all in the sake of helping me, that doesn't absolve you of that. And I just kind of wanted to pose that as a uh, question to anyone that felt like expounding upon their thoughts on that. Um, Just because somebody has the best intentions, does doing it behind your back in a secretive fashion, betraying your trust in the sense that they're not They don't, you know, they're not going to tell you for whatever reason they think this is the best course of action. Uh, Do you think that's 
excusable if you do when is it excusable is it always excusable so long as their motive is to help you um do you consider it a you know stabbing in the back because of the principle of it that you betrayed the trust not not necessarily this specific action that was taken i'm curious to know that um because i will say that uh before you were saying that a lot of what coon and bombs friendship is built has been built on is trust and I can't help but think since the beginning of this story uh, that Kuhn, this isn't the first time that Kuhn has done something like this. He's actually gone behind Bomb's back, quote unquote, quite frequently, uh, enacting some sort of plan, at least in earlier season two and stuff like that, in order to help Bomb, right? At least that was the, the chief motive behind Kuhn's actions, um, he says, right? And so uh, this isn't the first time that something like that's happened, and Bomb hasn't always gotten the 411 on what Kuhn's plans were. He didn't come and tell them after the fact, or he just, he never knew that Kuhn went behind sometime and it just worked out, right? So I don't know, I'm curious. This seems to be a trend that has been going on, and it's something that, Kuhn is doing again now, definitely on a larger scale. And it seems that, you know, he's kind of gotten out scot-free on that. Um, I'm wondering if that does come to a head now. The more I'm looking at these <laughs> questions and if Bomb is like, dude, what's the deal? And Bomb starts to, you know, catch on to that more that Kuhn keeps on going behind and mm -hmm. saying, like, I'm going to do this. It's for your own good type thing. Like, this is what we need to do, et cetera. Because we have had small scuffles. Um, I think it was one in particular. And it was like the beginning of the season where Bomb got the whole glow up with the hair and all that kind of stuff. And he met Kuhn again for the first time. And they had like one of their first arguments on something like that. Um, and it was one of the first time that Kuhn didn't just go behind his back and do something anyway. It was like, you know, this is what I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you what I want to do. And there was actually disagreement on it and they have to come to a compromise but does bomb feel slighted at the fact that coon forwent that mm -hmm. again you know and has kind of reverted back to this really, i don't really i think thing. the main point that matters is sort of the the scale and the stakes of the situation um, okay because there have been times you know where coon has you know enacted some plan um that he didn't tell bomb about uh or you know you know went behind bomb's back so to speak but i don't really i i think it matters depending on like you know, on the circumstance, right? What it is you're willing to do behind said person's back. Because if it's like, yeah, I lied to this person and like told them to do something or like I got this person to fight this person. It's like, again, I, I, I always try to keep my mind. I, I think this is something that I've been trying to do the more I read the story is like keep my mind frame in the mindset of somebody that's like lives in this tower, right? Like that's not, that's pretty normal behavior and it's and it's not something that really like is worth condemning. But like, you know, again, we get up to a circumstance like now where it's like you are not only actively taking, capturing uh, other people's souls, but you're giving them to, of all people, white. That I could see being like, it's like, okay, that's not like, a, you know, a, a throwing a pebble in a pond. Like, that's that's a big deal. Mm. Um, so it's like when, you're, when when your decision that you're making that is going behind said person's back has the potential to cause ripple effects that could end that could you know go from ripples to literal like tidal waves that's like you know when the scale sort of exceeds that ratio that's when i think it's it's a problem um because i think the whole, the whole idea behind this like i i i'd be willing to go behind your back never stab it only help is just sort of this idea that like you know sure while you could do something terrible with good intentions that the difference is if you are making a decision that's going to require you to go behind X person's back and that decision is to harm them for you to get, like, let's take something like Rachel would do, right? If you're, if you're making a decision where you're lying or, or manipulating somebody 
And that decision is to ultimately put either yourself ahead of them or, you know, tear them down a peg or, or hurt them or harm them or whatever. Um, like that's, at least to me, that's backstabbing. So then that's the thing for me, it comes to perception. So for example, I actually aligned with Ian in this in terms of there's, there's stabbing somebody in the back in terms of betrayal. And I do think that there's a possibility of stabbing somebody in the back with the best intentions. So for example, to just do an analogy, say I like a girl, I have a crush on a girl. Okay. Ian, I tell you, I, I tell you my best friend, dude, Sandra, I have a huge crush on her. I really like her. I don't know how to go about it. Maybe one day I'll tell her I have said crush. Okay. A couple days go by. You talk to Sandra and say, hey, you know, Gavin has a crush on you. You know, do, do you have a crush on him? Oh, oh, you do have a crush on him? Oh, like maybe. So you're going out with the best intentions, trying to get information per se. You come back later. Hey, I talked to Sandra, you know, about your crush. You know, she might actually, she actually really likes you, you know, blah, 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 blah. My perception is I, I confided this in you. You went more or less behind my back and talked to her about it with the best intentions to helping me out and being a wingman. However, I can still perceive it as you stabbed me in the back. I gave you said information and you went against kind of what I thought you were going to do. And I do feel like that can apply in this situation where although Kuhn may not be doing it with the with negative intentions to hurt Bam in a sense, however... It really depends on how perceived how, how he perceives the situation in terms of it may not be the word it it may be justified in terms of this is a war X Y thing is happening we need to do this but from Bam's perspective perspective it can be completely different even with the best intentions that he can perceive it as being stabbing being stabbed in the back although it may not be meant that way and I feel like it's always easier looking at it you know with the glass globe analyzing the whole situation but when it comes down to you know personal perspective it can vary on situationally with everything that has happened and for everything that has happened in their relationship with Kuhn doing stuff like this it has never been a big problem but there could be a scenario where it does become a problem even if it may not seem like the, it may seem like the most trivial thing to you know get well, worked up over but it is still a possibility at the end I of wonder day. if like because in, in that even in like that metaphor and if you relate it back to the Bam Kuhn thing mm -hmm. the key there is like if you had told him specifically not to talk to this girl or say anything and then he went ahead and did that anyway that like to me like that's where the backstabbing happens wait, so wait what repeat that like in your your metaphor in your mm -hmm. analogy here you're like oh you got a crush you told ian about the crush mm -hmm. uh and then ian goes to talk to the girl and is like oh hey i i went and talked to her and uh, and told and for, turns out like she might kind of like you too if before that you had specifically told him like, Hey, I'm telling you this, like, don't talk to her. Don't tell her anything about this, but like, I'm just confiding in you. And then he went ahead and did that thing. Like that to me is where the backstabbing happens, where it's like, if you don't preface that there's really like him going to talk to her, isn't really going like, that's not doing anything. I feel like there's um, a duality to that the way the way I see it though, and I feel like a there's almost like a un, an unwritten rule in the sense that uh, me in that scenario to take Gavin's analogy again if I you know if I'm Gavin's friend I also think that there's this responsibility that lies on me Correct. if Gavin didn't tell me explicitly don't tell anyone for me to ask do you want me to tell her that? Are yeah. you saying this to me because you're implying that you would like me exactly. to go and help you with this plan? And I think a lot of the issue that I see with it is not necessarily the actions that Kuhn takes each time or whatever. It's the, it's actually deeper than that. It's like the root 
uh, it's the thing that Kuhn goes to every time, like the automatic habit. Out of habit, mm. I'm not going to tell Bomb what it is I'm doing. I'm just going to go do it because I know I'm smart mm. enough. I know that this is probably going to pan out. I know this is for his best interest, and I'm going to go there. And it's a lot of times I think the principle of it, of him not opting for that decision first a lot of times and him automatically opting for the for the former uh, position is where I think he could really shoot himself in the foot when it comes to that and I don't I think that's a, a character flaw in terms of uh, you know their relationship and just honestly in general if you have like a really close friend you know to, to do that and I, and I think that was the uh, the question that I was trying to bring mm -hmm. up like where you know where do you lie on that because I actually think the more I heard your guys answers and I read these two questions again the more that I was thinking about that and I was like this is actually a very interesting dilemma yeah. you know what I mean because this this story so many times we've had so many discussions on this at this point like shit man um brings up a lot a lot a lot of scenarios I'm not saying anyone's doing that here I'm mm -hmm. saying this is a, a general broad thing where like x character will do a thing and everyone's like you know what I mean? Like, get out of here. And then another character will do something that maybe isn't the same thing, but is like, you know, along a similar path. And it's like, oh, dude, classic X person, you know, classic whoever. Like, God, we love that person, right? And so I just think, or like, you know, if there's a certain character flaw within a character that we all like and stuff like that, there are a lot of people, you know, we're guilty of it on a, a personal level. And there are a lot of people in the fandom that will kind of put on, blinders when it comes to those sorts of things so i like these sorts of questions and this dialogue that gets a little bit to a a deeper uh root here and kind of analyzing people as almost this almost um as like not a blank slate i'm trying to look for the word but like taking the taking the bias out of it <laughs> i guess is what i'm trying to say in like a in like a sugar-coated way here um so i don't know i found that pretty interesting and i'm curious to know what you guys think on that you know if there's a situation where maybe that has happened to you um where a friend has gone behind your back with the best intentions but you were upset at just the principle that they went behind your back even if it turned out well or if you were forgiving of it because the circumstance was good if you would have been less forgiving if it was bad etc i think this is an interesting thing that probably comes up in life more than you'd realize so i think it's an interesting question all around um do you guys have any other thoughts on this one no no, no I'm good. good questions both of you thank you uh w phil and sad sparkles for your questions we appreciate it okay i think i have the next no you do you have the next yes. one right yeah question six also comes to us from jail I jail. lied. I no. think I, oh, I'll do the next one. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we kind of blended. We, yeah, we blended yeah. a bunch. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know whose turn it is. <laughs> uh, comes to us from Jail Siegel and Postafarian. Uh, the question is, Adora Jihad is a name that has been thrown around a lot recently. Just from what little impression there is, what are your thoughts on her? Um, she's probably evil. <laughs> um, she's probably about <laughs> as close to... Um, She's probably about as close to evil as you can get. I mean, when we're talking about people like Miss Chenny, um, who actually I wouldn't even I would exclude because Miss Chenny, Miss Chenny actually seems like a chaotic neutral. The more that we hear her talk, and the more that we learn about, you know, what it is she's doing, and like sort of why she's doing it. I don't like, and that's not to say that that's not a defense because a chaotic neutral is not good um you know if we're talking about the, the the scale specifically here but i think endori is like a chaotic bad like i think she is probably about she's evil and i think a little probably sadistic and and you know but i think she's evil with a purpose right she's like i am jihad's commander-in-chief like that that 
title, that position comes with a certain level of responsibility, comes with a certain level of expectation, and it comes with a certain level of understanding that I need to be ready, willing, and able to carry his, you know, his, uh, you know, his dream, his, his wants, his whims, his needs, like whenever possible, you know, at all times. I need to be like a, a shining example of like somebody that jihad would side with, right? And I don't know whether that's born out of, uh, you know, wherever her family lineage is, like maybe how much she even knows jihad, you know, maybe even before being a king. I don't know. I, we don't, you know, like the question says, we have basically very little to go off of. But just from where she stands, her position, the things that we've heard her, you know, indirectly say or the orders that sh- that people have been given by her, um, she seems like a bitch, quite frankly. She seems like somebody <laughs> who is, you know, take no prisoner. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm the commander-in-chief of this army for a reason. Jihad asked for results, and I need to I need to be the kind of person that can deliver results, and that requires a certain sort of mental fortitude and somebody that can take commands and dish them out without a shred of sympathy. What do you think, Evan? Um, I don't... It's a, it's, a weird, it's a weird character, because obviously we don't know. We haven't even seen them. Like quite literally, so I don't want to necessarily throw her name through the mud, um, because until until you know I get a full perspective uh, perspective of her. But I guess from what I can say is that obviously not a pushover. Um, has been touted that she's a prodigy, similar to Bam in that respect, and that super powerful. Um, and you know just the fact that she is where she is in Jihad's army and the commander in chief or what have you. Um, yeah, definitely not someone to be messed with and. You know, I toy with the thought of evil per sense. I, I, I don't know because it's like, it's strange when you bring Jihad in the mix and like pure evil because I do think that there's some gray area in that. Like, you know, fighting for a cause that isn't a good one compared to being evil for me are kind of on two different planes that can overlap. And I wonder if she does overlap in some sort of area in terms of how, you know, like ruthless and cutthroat she is. And I guess in some sense, you'd kind of have to be to be... um as high as she is in that army. So I guess I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that she is an evil character. Very well could be definitely has to be, um, hardcore and a badass by any stretch of the term, uh, t- to be in the position that she's at. So yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but from all I know, prodigy, super strong, not a pushover and probably going to make me want to poop my pants when I see her. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I got to say. I'm just waiting to see how drop dead gorgeous she is when we see her because this seems to be like Giga Princess. Like yeah. she seems to be top dog, literally. So like she's got to be stacked, right? That's my hope. Oh, man, how I'm many right. princesses did they say there were? Thirteen, right? 13 Pretty sure there's one to fill out each weapon for the thirteen month series. So was there something you said then that was like thirteen princesses and then like a fourteenth, which would be the head, or is that like? There's 13 princesses, but like princesses of jihad. They, they've never said 14. Yeah, like I think I think there's a lot more because then you have like a knock and Dorsey. Like, are you just saying like I'm a princess of jihad? Like, I don't think there's just 14 of them. I think there's a lot of them. It just matters mm-hmm. on like the stack of how strong they are. Like, there's oh, true, 14. True, true. Like, there's 14 weapons, but there's not yeah. a princess to every weapon. So I think there's a whole. Uh, I, had, I don't have the camera on me, but I think there's a whole <laughs> lot of princesses in general. Like, probably more than most people can count. Like, mm-hmm. I would say in the hundreds, in a sense. It just depends on the power within them. Um, oh, you know, I, I just don't think I, it's like a limited number. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know where I pulled that out of. I thought it was they. They, they were like assigned a weapon or something. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm getting at is that with the whole Indori thing, is there something we said that she is like, you know, 
the first princess? Is she like the you know the most touted? Is she the most worthy? Maybe in Jihad's eye, like mm-hmm. she's the you know like the commander in chief might just be like that. Might be in terms of Jihad's military at least the person he trusts the most. And, yeah. and so maybe I think she's the strongest because if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's on the like the rankings, like who's ranked where mm-hmm. in terms of power scaling and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she's ranked seven. Okay. Wh- I'm pretty sure Joe said that. Yeah. So I would assume that's the strongest princess because now we're talking about like family heads, you know mm. what I mean? Like are in the mix there. Um, I'm pretty sure she's, I could be wrong yeah, on that, yeah, but yeah. I'm pretty sure she's the, she is the, the strongest princess in terms of, I guess, fighting mm. ability. And, and it seems to be implied just by how her raw talent has manifested in the sense yeah. that she was able to be to rank her as a regular, even though she was class a, but that was the whole yeah. thing with bomb and being like, you see get wrecked. She's you know? seven. That would put her, I think she's ahead of, some of the family heads, no? Because I would have... Yeah, yeah. I think somebody said Gustang's like 13 yeah, or something. Yeah, there's 10 heads. Mm-hmm. That files out one through 10. Yeah, yeah, she's a savage. Uh-huh. <laughs> that means that, yeah, she is not only a strong fighter, but she's... I mean, I guess, fair enough, Jihad doesn't pick anybody but the best, but, like, she's she could take on some of the family heads, which is kind of... So then I guess, yeah, I guess that's where it's like, did the princesses of Jihad as a as a position or whatever like stem from her you know what i mean like did it i don't know i, I think i think she was just uh, personally just to a- also answer the question here my thoughts on her little impression i think that if garam's story adds up mm-hmm. in terms of how jihad skewed this whole thing to really just have them all killing each other whatever mm-hmm. to like get the best of the best i think adori is like jihad struck gold on that one where it's like yes finally this chick is like insane like awesome well, and then yeah. now she's in <laughs> maybe he said it exactly like that too but it's like you know and, and adori seems to be so devout to the cause mm-hmm. too which is really the kicker that it's like she genu at least from my perception a little bit we got from her so far i think she genuinely believes in this whole thing where it's like i will you know like i am here to serve jihad i will be the best um and being that she's so freaking talented it's definitely you know put her to the top of the crop well that was a great implication because my thought was the same as yours in terms of why isn't she trying to collect all the 13 month series so i wonder what her relationship is with jihad because obviously they it's a failed it's a failed you know easter egg hunt where you collect them all it's not going to amount to anything you see what happens when you try to ignite two of them or use two of them so it's a fail safe that jihad has and Mm. it seems like this girl isn't that interested in him although we haven't met her so you know it it, we don't know she could be obsessed with them but if she is this powerful you can't tell me that she doesn't have a lot of them and it's assumed that no princess really has more than two or three you know so it's not like she has a stockpile so why isn't she very interested in them did it does she like have a talk with Jihad and he kind of like laid it out a little bit where it's yeah. like, you know, these aren't necessarily all that's talked up to be, but you know, you're my like number one. So like, you kind of know a little bit of this information. Like I wonder how close their relationship is. If she knows about the implications of the 13 month series weapons or maybe doesn't. And it's just Jihad just doing whatever the hell he wants because he just has no respect for anybody. Mm-hmm. But um, it is just, it is interesting how it's like her name isn't revolving around these weapons that are like touted to be the pride and joy of being a princess and obtaining them. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but that is just an interesting, you know, tidbit. To that, that's a there. good point, though, because I kind of forgot, even though I just said it, where it's like the number one goal would always be get all the 13 months. And it mm-hmm. seemed that being as strong as she is, that shouldn't have been too much of a problem yeah. for her. 
Um, maybe a wee problem, but she'd have more than two, right? Oh, you yeah. know, that would be that would be. We're the actively seeking them. Assumption, yeah, we're yeah. actively seeking them, which she could be, but we just never really got that info. Exactly. So to be fair, um, but she just seems to be like Jihad seems like to be that. pretty lucky to have this chick on his squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my point is, is that. I don't think that she's doing some like scheming, conniving thing Uh, because we've seen a lot of princesses actually. Almost every damn princess that we've run into has been like, I'm not really about the whole jihad thing. Like, honestly, it's by name, but like, I got my own thing going. Like, I mean, Yuri's an obvious one, but like, Dorsey's in love with the guy that's going to kill him. Um, you know, we got Elaine, who is there for, like, the family, but then, you know, well, she wasn't, like, a princess, but you get my point. Like, rejected there. Uh, we get Miss Chenny, who's just, like, she's doing her own thing, and it seems like that she's, like, okay, I'll respect Jihad for his power, but, like, I got my own thing going, et cetera. It seemed like a lot of them haven't been, like, incredibly loyal uh, to the Jihad name. So I assume, I think Adori is different. I think she is, like, one of the princesses where it's, like, Jihad looks, and it's, like, that that's the poster girl for what princesses are supposed to look like right now. Um, just because it seemed weird for somebody that was like kind of trying to stab Jihad in the back or whatever to be like, oh, your orders will do all three. You know what I mean? I like it's like, damn, girl. She has to know. I think she has to have had an actual conversation with Jihad and she has to know the truth about the weapons. Mm-hmm. Because something about this, a character like this, and again, you know, most of this is speculation, so fair enough. If she is like this diehard Jihad soldier, and she didn't know the truth about these weapons, I feel like she'd be bending over almost backwards to try and get these weapons. If she was, you know, mm-hmm. a princess or a shining example of these princesses, mm-hmm. why the fuck not? So the only thing I can think of is that the reason that she wouldn't be going after them is because she knows the secret, and maybe she, Jihad, has tasked her with making sure the princesses are always still fighting over the weapons, but obviously she's never going to, like, go after them herself because she knows what will happen. But she, again, as Jihad's commander-in-chief, is in charge of keeping all the other princesses in line by being like, hey, one of you could be up here with us if you get, you know, mm-hmm. more, all of these weapons. Um, yeah, because if, if she doesn't know, I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't she be going after Yeah, that's these? my exact thought. Like, why? Mm. Like, there has to be some information. I don't yeah. know. They definitely get at brunch. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, look, uh, Dory, about these weapons, um, yeah, they're kind of rigged. Like, super, <laughs> like, double, She's over you know, cursed. Yeah, rigged. Um, so don't touch them <laughs> or more than two, um, but make sure all the other girls are fighting like yeah. hilariously. So over all of them forever. <laughs> and she's like, <sighs> <laughs> like you would need such a blinding amount of like respect to hear orders like that, where it's like, Oh, you know what? Like you've been kind of raised for as a princess, like to be your pride and joy. Yeah. That's all a that's lie. True. So just follow with it. Like to have that blinding obedience to someone like, that is what can be scary if respect she knows this information. Respect she could fear. be afraid of him. I mean, she you know, she is number be. seven, but I'm assuming Jihad is number one. And seven 100%. and one, I think, is enough of a gap where mm-hmm. Jihad would probably still stomp her face. I think it's a respect thing, if I had to guess, with her enthusiasm to complete the three orders mm-hmm. when they were given. When Jihad is like, I'm technically giving you a choice to do one. Yeah. She's like, we'll do all three. You know what I mean? Like, um... You know, you could be afraid and want to do that, but it seems like, you know, you're risking a lot of your own skin where it's like that seems to be going a bit overboard in the fact that those tasks are hard as hell to complete just yeah. one and of themselves. And assigned to people to do. So you're yeah, going out yeah. of your way to say that. Yeah, like, it yes, seems like you I, almost want to get like, look, look, I've yeah. done this other thing for you. Yeah, but I guess that could be like there's a fear of her being seen as useless. 
Right. Okay. So if everybody else is Could like, be. yeah, I'll pick one. She's like, oh, okay, I'll do all three. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, that one's clearly more useful than <laughs> the others. So it's like, you know. Yeah, I guess you could frame it that possible. way too. That's fair. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question here. Yeah, shoot. Uh, it's by Sad Sparkles. Uh, again, so thank you very much for the question. Sad Sparkles asks, what do you think about the nest? I mean, there's a floating stone in which time stands still so you don't get older. I don't know why, but it reminds me of Bomb and his hidden past since he's old. Oh. Okay. Also, Jihad's been keeping some valuable things in there that got even Miss Chenny interested. So could there be some other reason that the fighting is taking place there besides the fact that it's nearly impossible to enter it? Just wanted you to talk a bit about the world building and its implications in the future since you're almost caught up now. And apparently there's a picture on Discord that goes along with this. Yes. Uh, it's literally just the, the treasure chest, chest. right? Yeah. The treasure chest thing. Yeah. So now that it's not needed anymore, my father asked head of the Lopobia family to use it as a storeroom to hold onto his things he wants. He never told anyone on the outside what there, uh, what's in there, but there's probably a lot of stuff we can't even begin to imagine. I'm more interested in this. I uh, wonder, I mean, they, um, so I didn't mean to jump good. in front of it, but um, I guess because they, I think Miss Chenny makes a specific comment when she's like, that's where we're going to be keeping Jin Sung Ha um, because I could, you know, use as a bargaining chip when it when it comes time to uh, commune with the Ha family or whatever. Mm. I wonder if the implication with this thing being here and this fight being here is essentially Jihad is going to be like, all right, everybody that's that's working that's out here fighting us right now, kill all the ones that are useless, but the ones that are useful, lock them up in here because I may never know. I may want to, you know, I may want this person's X ability or thing, or or maybe I can interrogate and turn this person, you know, whatever. But I think it might be a way to sort of cut his losses in terms of like picking out the you know the diamonds in the rough so to speak here of like anybody who's just sort of here to fight and doesn't really stand out to him it's like get rid of them but the ones that aren't you know that are let's say on Jin Sung Ha level of valuable uh you know maybe he's having the fight here because it's like cool they're already here like just beat them knock them out and toss toss them in the you know room or you know chest or whatever yeah hmm. yeah this is an interesting one the nest in and of itself the conception of it, the idea of the nest is kind of sweet. That time literally stands still, I guess, right? Not that time is a huge factor in the tower to begin with. Fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm thinking cool. of this in like human terms. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's insane, you know, right? Yeah. And I'm assuming, right? Yeah, because time stands still. Okay. You don't get older. Like, that's kind of insane. You just so, like walk into the building and it's like, I'm chill here for a little while. You know what I mean? Walk out, you're totally fine. Like hyperbolic chamber crap. Um, that's pretty insane. I think that's Wait, really so does cool. Does that mean you could be immortal? You just mm-hmm. lived there. Uh, I'm, I'm. I bet you could die. Like if somebody killed you, but like you wouldn't die of like well, old okay, age. Sure, yeah. fair enough. You could be immortal. Uh, like you wouldn't die naturally. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That seems to be the case. So That's I could dope. be. I'm 26. I could walk in there, chill in there for 25 years. I come out. I'm still 26. Like the same day. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. It's pretty dope. You know what I mean? Just go in there, like you know, Shit, chill, you like live a whole life. In there. Yeah, they, they got like a dude. Like they got like a gym and a library in there, or whatever, or you know, whatever's going on. Their whole dude, they got like the reverse. Like I go in there, and just bam, straight to the grave, dog. Like you're done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin just goes in there and immediately dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was a lie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm out. <laughs> yeah, dude, can you imagine somebody just goes in there to sleep like the whole time, just so oh, they can oh, yeah, excuse yeah. sleeping? What's his name? Laurel. Oh, oh yeah. It's like, I don't age here. Bro, sleep for eternity? Yo. Yeah, you just sleep forever, That bro. means you're dead, Gavin. I've, I, I, again, I'm saying, that's a good, like, yeah, okay. I think of that, sleeping forever. Yeah, it's, it's called being dead, like I said. So Although that would really dead. suck if you have, like, a really bad nightmare and you can't escape that. So you better hope that you're having good dreams. And, uh, yeah, if not, you're, 
Goodbye. You're wild. Uh, yeah, Jihad's been keeping valuable stuff in there. Um, as Chenny's interested, I mean, that'd be the place to keep it. This is basically like the Fort Knox of, you know, think of the most yeah. impenetrable place. It's here. I, I, I am curious as to why that isn't on a higher floor. I always find that interesting. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like, I guess it's for a narrative thing, just because it's like, well, bomb's here. So we got to like, this is where it is. But that always like made me laugh because I'm like, okay, if you really wanted to hide this, um, you know, and you put it higher, you know that there are that many less people that even have the ability to to try and attack you because they got to even get up there to begin with. So I don't know. That's yeah. just kind well, of I, a side I, thing. It, it's kind of weird with this story because like of Bam and stuff where it's like, again, like Bam's party are like such an abnormal case, like just by their existence because yeah. normal people like make no mistake would have died before getting on the hell train. True. They would, they would not be here. Like this, yeah. I think the implication is that Jihad is, you know, because if you think about, like, the hidden floor, like, Jihad is so confident in himself and his forces and the the system or society that he set up here that, like, no, no normal person would be able to figure any of this stuff out. They even say that most people don't know this thing is here or exists, but it's, mm -hmm. like, the people who do, again, even if they do, it's, like, okay, cool, go get up to floor 52 then and go get that thing. No, they're not going to do that. Bam and his party are a different case because... By definition, they, mm -hmm. you know, are able to get into places or, or be places that no normal person can. But I think I, I do honestly think that Jihad is just like, well, I, you know, I was kind of planning for like everybody else. Not Bam. <laughs> well, honestly, I kind of I'm going to take the more surface level approach. And um, I'm going to say that this stone originated on this floor and it probably isn't as easy as let me just pick up this stone and okay, bring it up. Like, that's fair. You know, they came across it. And if it's a stone that, you know, <laughs> yeah, literally just stops it. time and everything is <laughs> like, I don't think that's something you're like, oh, let me just take it up to the hundreds or whatever floor. Like, it's kind of there. No, so I actually think that go. might be the best explanation in the sense that, you know, the question asks us to go in on the world building. Yeah. So I sometimes have to remember that before Jihad came and kind of modernized that's everything, true. that this Tower was a exist. place with these weird administrators mm -hmm. that turn into big blobs of goo and then, you know, like spit things out and give people powers and contracts and there were giant flaming elephants going around and like this was a normal thing mm -hmm. happening so it's not really out of the realm of possibility that there's a random stone in space that stops time so and it just happens to be there and it's like we got to move this thing and it's like we can't and it's yeah. like okay we're setting up shop here like that that's what we're doing <laughs> um so that actually makes a lot of sense plus i feel like it'd be weird if jihad was like all right everything that's dope and valuable i want it on my floor <laughs> it's like wow if you get up there like you're set bro yeah. you get up there and beat jihad you get everything yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe spread that shit out a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> also, the implication is that, like, no one, like you said, yeah, is yeah. an incredibly abnormal case. There aren't supposed to be whatever. But I also find that funny, right? Because like, you're like, listen, there's no way it's an abnormal. It's like Jihad, you know, Bomb and them, they're an abnormal case. It's like, yeah, but did Jihad never expect an abnormal case? The fact that there's an abnormal case means that it can be penetrated. You know what I mean? It's well, like, you yeah, know, you're expecting the, things yeah, to go in the way Gavin's they always have. checks out. Also in the sense that Jihad, I mean, maybe. We don't really know, to be fair. Like, did know of Bam's existence before he met him on the hidden floor. So then it's like, okay, but you did know that this kid like had the potential. Cause that's the other thing that's really big with Bomb is a lot of people are like, oh, this kid doesn't seem innately strong, but like you give him enough time. And I feel like he could really fuck some shit up. And it's like, okay, if you have a feeling though, Jod, like maybe we, you know, bump that thing up a couple Well, floors. to be fair, he so thought he like, killed him. When he's a kid, because when he comes down to the hidden floor, he's like, oh, I thought I killed you. He says to him, the big version of Jihad. Right. But then I'm like, if this dog can see fate, though, 
He must have known that that didn't work. I think that's the play on the story, right? To get into it a little deeper is that bomb is this antithesis to fate, right? That bomb being in an irregular and through these weird circumstances seems to defy it. Like a lot of the witches can't see his path and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's like Jihad sees fate, but bomb almost sidesteps that. Okay. That's well, so prediction. I guess that's the thing then. If he killed bomb and thought he killed that's bomb fair. and then didn't see, yeah. he was like, Bomb's dead. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's the only thing. I, that's the one percent I would have to worry about. Ninety nine, I could fuck with anybody. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like put it on floor fifty two, and then he gets the hidden floor, and he's like, "Fuck, this thing is alive." Bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I got this valuable thing on floor fifty. This one on seventy five. Like, we don't have time to move yeah. everything. We just gotta we'll just fight. Kill him. Kill him yeah. all. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. To answer the second part of the question here, uh, what do you think he's hiding? Was that even a part of the question? I just make that up. Uh, well, so there could be another reason. Oh, also, Jihad's been keeping some valuable things there that even just Cheney's interested in. So could there be some other reason that the fighting's taking place there besides the fact that it's nearly possible tender? Yeah. Um, I think that it's not just like Jihad's like, dude, I hid these really cool weapons there. Like, and if you get them, you'll get a major upgrade. Like, this isn't like a dungeon raid where we come out with like sweet loot, where it could be. I do think there's probably some of that in there. But I actually think there are probably more uh, info bomb secrets, right? Like you know, okay. open with the key Aaron Yeager's basement type thing. Right. And it's like it's that, understanding Jihad and his empire. More, mm -hmm. like I think that's did. what it is personally. Like okay. maybe some hidden artifacts that aren't supposed to surface or old some diaries. old diaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> old yearbook. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, some sort of thing that uh, enlightens us a little bit more about who Jihad is and things that he obviously doesn't want people knowing about himself. Okay. Um, he's kind of off the grid a little when it comes to that. So that's my prediction. Um, because I feel like if anything, Jihad is way more concerned with that than concerned with like, damn it, that guy found the bazooka in there. Like, you know what I mean? Because Jihad will just go down and flick him in the head and he'll explode. Yeah, like, he doesn't give true. a shit. Right? And also, that if there powerful. was a weapon, like just a straight weapon that could rival Jihad, like that shit's definitely up on floor Yeah, that's behind him. Because exactly. it's like, you're going to kill me to get yeah, it. And yeah. then at that point, I'm already exactly. dead. You know, but it's, it's like, like his diary. He's like, I don't care. Throw it on floor fucking 50. Put it behind <laughs> a wall or something. Nobody's going to touch that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think that's what, I think that it's like, okay. and I think that, that for narrative sense. purposes, this it'll be cool too. Like the further up we go, we get a little bit more information on Jihad. Like each time, yeah, each time yeah. we like make some major milestone achievement. It's like, Ooh, we got the story with oh. Garam. Then we went to the hidden floor and we saw young Jihad and then him down there. And we got this weird, like ominous thing where it's like, I'm trying to control fate. And then like, you know, we get here and it's like a little bit more. We find out about yeah, Jihad. Yeah, yeah. And so by the time we get to Jihad, there might be, a different perspective or there might be all these things that we think conform together. And then that's my thing. I'm like, that, I think it's, I, I think I it would know. also be pretty cool if like, because the last floor that we were on, which was the wall of peaceful coexistence was all about those heroes who were trapped there. And we learned about like a little bit about like the war of Genesis through them and stuff. If like from here onward, these floors are going to slowly start opening up to the existence and the way the tower used to be and was before Jihad's empire took over. So like, Floor 50 oh, and true, 51, true, true. we have, like, the floor of coexistence. We learned that there was a war. We learned about Genesis, these heroes who are locked behind this war. It's like each of these floors is going to have a piece of the tower's history and past contained, you know, behind it, under it, in some sort of lock and, and key situation. And it's like as we go up each floor, we're going to learn exactly how the tower went from where it used to be to mm. what it is now. Mm. Yeah. That would be cool. Any other thoughts on this one? 
wonder if there's like info about Arlene specifically in there. That's what I was thinking. Because like, you know, whether it's like pictures or like some yeah. sort of information. <laughs> That's my other thought. Jihad Spank Bank. He just has like <laughs> Dude, I literally all no, over the wall. My, her just I, like in a bikini. And it's like, this is this one time we traveled to Spain. You know what I mean? And it's like, her with V, but he has V cut his out. Diary. <laughs> it's, it is his diary, but it's like the tower. Day 51. Arlene said hi to me. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I mean, Deadass has like a whole bunch of Playboy magazines in there, and they're all like the princess edition, and that's what started his daddy <laughs> issues in creating all the princesses of John, because that was his favorite favorite Playboy or whatever magazine. Oh, okay. But Ta- it's like all the know, princesses whoa, whoa. just have Arlene's face, like, put on. <laughs> <laughs> like all different girls, but it's just Arlene. That's it, dude. It's a whole room there, and then damn. Bob's gonna go there. It's really awkward because it's oh, basically yeah, yeah. his mother. You know what yeah, I mean? He, he, he like he like walks in. He's like, "Wow, this girl's really hot. Who is it? Who is she?" And they're like, "Arlene, your mother." And he's like. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> He's like, yeah. Mommy! And you know, Bam's gonna be like, "Oh no!" And she's just gonna be like, "Oh!" Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, bro, that's your mom. Not mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Saved a couple before he runs out. Look, that fight was stressful. Okay, I'll see you in five minutes. <laughs> I need a loving memory of her. <laughs> Classic Shiba. <laughs> oh, anyway, last question, Gavin. Take it away, my friend. Oh, it's on me. Yeah, fuck it. Oh, and it's by. <laughs> Simone, mate. Thank you for the final question of the day. Much appreciated. What are your thoughts on Miss Cheney's goal in the whole war? Um, my thoughts is that she is, um, she's a tad cray cray. Um, and I, I, I don't know. She's just, she's such a wild card where you'd kind of hope that, because I, I honestly, Isaiah, Isaiah can explain it better than I can, but um, it's weird because you never know her mindset in terms of these things where it's like you think that she is on you know the side of our guys in terms of betraying Jihad, not following everything that he has to say, and, you know, oh, she has her own side mission, and then, like, she oddly aligns in some spots, and then you, you kind of pick at it, and you're like, oh, well, I can see where she gets this edge off of the decision that's made. I see where she gets this edge. For example, with the whole getting... um. Uh, Jin Sung and that whole stipulation behind it. And it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, ne- you didn't necessarily want to take him, but now that he is acquired, you know, it could be used in this situation to get the X place that whatever Jihad's hiding. And it's like, you know, the like, it, it's obvious that she is almost playing like these manipulative games that plays into, you know, her greater goal and whatever ultimatum she has behind the scenes. It's just really finding out what they are and, like, who are her allies. And I really think she's just that lone wolf where it's just like, I don't care. I'm going to just do my own thing, and, you know, that's that. So, yeah, I think she's a tad cray-cray. Um, yeah, we need Yuri to kind of smack her into place and just become Bam's <laughs> little friend. Can. And then Bam. Yeah, no, she definitely can't because we know that they had, don't have a good relationship to begin with yeah. um, and that they don't get into arguments quite often. And I feel like that does play into Miss Chenny's mindset mm-hmm. and Yuri's because they're exact opposites. Yuri supports Bam from the start, always has it out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you get Miss Chenny, who is seemingly the opposite but might have similar intentions or desires but doesn't put that on the forefront and just schemes in the background to, you know, try to get whatever she wants. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, these coons are whacked in the head, bro. Nice. I mean, like, she... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just speaking the Doing truth. Doing a lot of generalizing right there. I'm Relax. Just, I'm, just I'm just saying. No, it's not on a, not all of them. But, I mean, um, we do... Like, a lot of the coons have this, like... Like, there's this wild thing where it's like, we just... I just manipulated that guy and his whole family yeah, yeah, died. Yeah. But that's okay, you know? And it's like... Yeah. I do think uh, you hit it on the head before, though, and... Um, I actually do think chaotic neutral is probably the best way I would also describe Miss Chenny Jihad, that she wants there to be an absolute bloodbath. I think that everything that she's doing is to have these forces just smash into each other and these waves to crash. And like, she has all these profound speeches 
where she's just talking about shaking shit up. Like, that's what she <laughs> wants to do, literally. Shake, shake, I don't shake. know if she has some sort of big brain plan where she's going to be on the top of it when it's all done. And it's like, I need to shake things up because that's the only way to insert X thing that I want. I guess everyone always has a hidden selfish, selfish motive in some way, shape or form. Uh, so there could be a little bit of that, but I don't know if beyond that, it's just, I just want things different because I'm quite frankly bored. Um, this has been going on for too long. I want heads to roll. I don't really care who wins in the end. I just want there to be excitement and a thrill in my life. Um, I don't know. Just based off of the speeches she's given and all the monologues she's had and, and the talks, that seems to be kind of the thing, you know? Even her uh, hidden floor self, her, her data self, mm-hmm. she's just like, God, I just always wanted to fight you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to jihad and all that kind of thing. Uh, she seems to be, you know, a little, little, you know, a little cray cray in that way, like <laughs> Gavin was saying. Um, and I think that just kind of manifested itself even more as she got a little older here. Um, boredom's a hell of a thing. It can make you cause world wars, I guess, uh, if you're uh, Miss Chenny, but I don't know. I, I think her goal is literally just to like stir shit up and make things different in some way, shape or form, whether she wants to insert herself or have some other goal to like, within the power vacuum be the one to slip slip in there is a different story i think that her being a coon she probably has something like that going on there's like a bigger brain thing beyond the just like i'm whacked and i want people to just start killing each other so what that is specifically i don't know uh but right now i'm like you know she's kind of on thin ice because uh she's kind of being a bitch uh throughout all this i'm not gonna lie and i'm not really getting answers and we got 10 chapters left so i'm like so i'm like thinking to myself i remember um, literally i'm like i need like a thorough explanation in the next 10 chapters or i'm not gonna like you um i remember we were doing our uh we were doing some sort of collab stream or, or something and uh somebody was saying that uh milios uh, that that was his his waifu, like Tower God waifu, was oh, Miss Chenny yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking that I'm like, oh okay, like we just met her, mm-hmm. and I'm like, she must, you know, she must like there must be something like later on uh, that really makes it. And now we're here, and like that rings in my head that thought again, and I'm like, um, Milios, <laughs> what did we see? <laughs> like, what, what am I missing? <laughs> was it just like you just like the you know? I, I feel mean? like Miss Chenny is like, like that girl, like she's the last girl you date in college or like in your twenties before you're like. All right, I'm done. I'm not like some young <laughs> rascal. Like I need to settle down and find something a little more structured, a little more. Cause she's that girl that's like always trying to do some like really weird shit. And I'm not. I don't mean like just like every. But I mean like her idea of a fun date is like lighting people's cars on fire. And you're like, uh, and it's like, but she's like an actual 15 out of 10. So you're like, mm. and like, like I, let's put it this way. If that's the mo- like. I get it, Millie. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Because as much as I'm like, Miss Jenny, you crazy evil bitch. I'm like, mm, damn. I was going to room with you. It's over, bro. It's over. Uh, I'm doing some shameful shit. Um, <laughs> but I think Miss Jenny's also weird because this story, I feel like, has has conditioned me to to never look at anything for at face value anymore. And so every single time Miss Chenny gives me like another reason to be like, oh, you bitch, and just write her off as that, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's gotta be more to you than yeah, that. I'm yeah. like, there's oh, just 100%. there's yeah. just a little, you're playing this role here just a little too well for me to be like, you've gotta be just some crazy villain. It's yeah. like, what is it? Yeah, and so then the question is like, okay, what is it you want? Where, 
what you know whether it's to ally with a certain person a certain side you know get like what is it you want out of this and why are you willing to go to these measures specifically because again if we're to derive from a conversation with Jin Sung even if her goals align with what something what somebody like Jin Sung wants why go the route of a bloodbath to get it when you when there are alternate paths do you just not believe that those are as effective paths to get what you want is it purely a character personality thing? You just literally prefer to go down the bloodiest path possible? Um, I don't know. But I, I just, every time she, in, you know, like I was I mentioned before, one of the other questions about uh, Kuhn AA, these Kuhns do default to, like, I, I think it could also be, these Kuhns definitely default to this tactic of, like, well, I'm just going to pull everybody's strings. Like, that's how I'll get what I want. Um, you know, from the understanding, like, that's how they're all raised. That family is a political war mind or you know battlefield from the day you're born so i don't i understand if that's the if, if going in if getting into the situation that that's where that miss chenny's mindset comes from is that she just defaults to being like okay this thing i want instead of going here and maybe asking this person and trusting that they'll like no i'll just go around them do x y and z get them to think i'm trying to do this when really i'm like that's mm -hmm. the way that they operate that's the default that they go to but that default doesn't always necessarily involve like combat or fighting or again this this the way that she refers to like spilling blood right mm -hmm. even coon who like is no stranger to going behind people's backs or using manipulative tactics is not always going out with the intent to kill as many people as possible so that seems very specific that seems very mischenny mm -hmm. and like you said from her data self version we can infer that that didn't just spring up when she became a princess that's always been inside of her to some degree this like animalistic warrior that like just gets a literal thrill out of combat and 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 spilling blood so it's like you know uh, but but again i hesitate to just write her off as this crazy you know love blood for blood because she's got those coon genes and like it or not those come with a, a specific set of of skills in terms of intelligence and you know strategic outlooks of people and battlefields and so like that's a it's a very dangerous grouping of things to have in a character, right? Where it's like, they are incredibly resourceful, incredibly manipulative, incredibly tactful, um, and can use strategy, like, ridiculously well, and love to kill people. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's like, that, I feel like we can't, you can't lean to any one of those things too yeah, much, though, yeah. because then it kind of, like, ruins the character. But then I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> what do you want from yeah. me? What do you want from me? <laughs> Anyway, does anyone have anything else they'd like to add on this question in particular? Before yeah, Bam, I love that Bam and Kuhn have matching outfits. And I love that last panel of them kissing. Oh, I agree. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, Paul Ryun and Bomb had matching outfits. Thank you very much. Yeah, but were they kissing Ian? No. No, no, no. no. I mean, like, not okay. not as in, <laughs> like, they're both wearing white and red, but the Coon's outfit is literally the inverse of Bam's, just in blue. Yeah, because they're both males. That's how they had to rock Shut that. Because they're both married, Ian. <laughs> Stars with an M, I understand it's confusing. Right. But it's okay. Coon's cheating on Bomb with White right now. <laughs> That's what's happening. Look, White don't love no nigga but himself. So let's not let's not act like White is dating anybody. <laughs> I know. Coon's getting Other used. than his mirror. <laughs> it's a shame. Damn. Anyway, we're going to end the discussion there. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you guys are smashing like, commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion, the questions posed, our answers to them, etc.? curious to read them uh also make sure you guys are hitting the notification bell and subscribing to the channel if you are new here or if you haven't already and if you made it to the end of this video and me saying this i'm gonna hope that you are at this point and if not it takes you two seconds 
Just do it. Um, also, again, description down below, you can refer to all of our necessary links to support the show, whether it be our Discord, which you definitely want to hop in on, our AOA Reacts channel to catch the live read-through, um, our social media, our audio-only platforms if you want to listen to the show on the go. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Patreon, too, to earn exclusive benefits to the show while also supporting us, really a win-win there, um, among many other things as well. So definitely go check that out. Uh, does anyone have a question for the comment of the day? Um, what is the name of Jihad's Commander-in-Chief? What's the name of Jihad's Commander-in-Chief? Answer in the comments down below and then comment your thoughts and we might just shout you out on our next TOG discussion. Also, big shout out to our patrons, uh, especially our Acolytes of Anime, Stoic, Miduit, and Nathan. We appreciate all of you from the bottom of our hearts along with all of our patrons. Uh, love you all. So until next time, folks, though, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you all on the flip. Peace. Peace. Ninjas are samurais. Blaze of the kunais. Find me in the leaf of the cloud. Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though. Who likes seeing parts fly? They like what you saying. Goma got more through the storylines. I tested your neck from the start. My hunters gon' come for your heart. I promise you'll land in my boulevard. Left them in one piece. No.